My name is Matt McClure. I have the privilege and the honor of serving as the youth pastor here at First Woodway. So, um, and this gets to be my first of many graduating classes, um, as in August will be a year that I have uh, had the honor and privilege of being here as a youth pastor at First Woodway. Today is a mix of emotions between um, elation, seniors, you're almost done, right? Woohoo! And uh, also sadness. Your parents are sad. Okay, they might be happy, but they are, they're, they're acting sad, right? But it's, it's both, right? Like we get to this moment of having students, just as Daryl said, maybe since uh, they came the first time ever to enter the church as a baby was here. Uh, and now this day has come where we are graduating seniors as they get ready to leave. And even for us as a ministry, it's sad because some of these students, all of them, really have been amazing leaders for our youth ministry. And we're so grateful for that. You know, there's a story about um, a group in Nantucket Island on the eastern seaboard that centuries ago, ships would sail to this area of the country and it was a treacherous area. There was rocks in the sea that you couldn't see and boats would end up crashing and sinking so the, the residents of this island formed a committee, a group, and they called themselves the Humane Society. And what they did is they built these huts on the sides of the cliffs and they would look for ships that would be coming. And if a ship struck a rock and began to sink, they would sound the alarm and everyone would go and set out and try to rescue as many people as they could from ships that would break up from the sea. I read that almost 700 ships were, had crashed that they had tried to help rescue people. But as time went along, the Coast Guard was formed. They formed a, uh, an alliance with the Coast Guard where they would help each other. And then after time went along, they kind of decided, well, the Coast Guard, they're the professionals, so let's let them do that. But to this day, the Humane Society that was started centuries ago still meet. And they have dinners, and they give away awards. And although they still, together, their purpose has changed. So let me ask you a question. What is the purpose for the church when we graduate seniors? What is the hope for what we do as a ministry? See, there's churches all over Texas and Oklahoma and all over the country that are having a senior recognition day today. But what is the purpose. So we know what the purpose is when you graduate from high school, like you've finished this career, you've gotten your diploma, you're able to move on to college or armed services or a job or whatever it is you might want to do. But when we get to this day as a church, what is our purpose? There's one person I turn to to kind of help answer that question to show that maybe being at the church is more than just a social thing. Or maybe our ministry is more than just providing experiences that might be cool and um, uh, maybe a fun memory. Or is there a greater purpose for our students that we graduate that are part of this church? Or maybe if you've got a child here, like you're saying, what's the hope by the time we're done here as a student? That person I look at is the Apostle Paul. Now, all of you know of Paul, but when I look at Paul's life, his 
start in his relationship with Jesus mirrors a lot of what we are looking at in youth ministry. So we're first introduced to Paul. Uh, He comes on the scene in Acts chapter 8. That's when we read the story about Stephen, the disciple who was stoned to death. And as Stephen is being stoned, the Bible says that they laid their cloaks at the feet of a man named Saul. Now I'm going to call him Paul throughout this morning, but Saul was his Hebrew name. Saul is probably not much older than these seniors right down here. And they laid their feet, their cloak at the feet of Saul as he oversaw the murder and the stoning of Stephen. And then in Acts chapter 9, Saul gets orders to go to Damascus. And at Damascus, he is going to go arrest and probably potential murder more followers of what was called at that time the way. And as he's going, the Lord meets with him on the road to Damascus. And you know the story where um, the Lord speaks audibly to Saul. He hears him. He goes blind. The Lord tells him to go on to Damascus while there a brave disciple comes and finds this murderous man. And he, he tells him that the Lord is with him and, the, and something falls from his eyes like scales. And Paul's life is radically changed at that moment. Immediately he begins to share the word of Christ everywhere he goes, everyone he sees. He then goes to Jerusalem. Right after that, he wants to meet the apostles. So he goes to where he's at in Damascus. He goes to Jerusalem. And while there, they're afraid of him. They're like, no, 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 we don't want any part of this guy. Like, like he might be lying. A new person steps onto the scene. His name is Barnabas. Barnabas then introduces Saul to the apostles and says, no, no, this, this guy is real. He, his life has really been changed. And so he goes to the temple courts and he begins to proclaim the word of Jesus. And what's kind of peculiar here is he's now proclaiming that Jesus is the savior to the very people who had sent him to Damascus to go arrest Christians. You can imagine they're very confused. But Paul is ready. He's ready to debate. He's ready to fight. He's ready to go and let them know that Jesus is the way. They get angry at him. They're about to murder him. Barnabas and the other apostles, they help get get him out of Jerusalem. He leaves and then he goes on to Tarsus. Now the Bible doesn't say this explicitly in scripture, but many scholars believe that Paul was in Tarsus for almost 10 years before we see him again. My youth pastor brain likes to think this is when Paul went to youth group. Because if I get a student in sixth grade, I'll have that student for seven years as a youth. And then if they stay around for college, I might get them for four more. So a good 10 years that we might be able to see a student from the time they come into the youth group and from the time that they, they um, graduate. But Paul, he's there. He's learning. He's growing. What is he doing? I like to think that he's building his spiritual muscle. So he's passionate about his relationship with Jesus. And we know that he is smart. He knows a lot. He he says, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. This guy has his PhD in theology, but he is just beginning his relationship with Jesus. So then Acts chapter 11, we see Barnabas come back on the scene. He happens to be at a church in Antioch. The church is exploding. People are coming to faith in Christ. Um, They have so many needs. And so Barnabas, remembering Paul, 
goes to Tarsus and he gets Paul and brings him back to Antioch. And then Paul follows Barnabas around as they begin to teach and they begin to minister. A great famine hits the land, including in Jerusalem, the mother church. And so they go down to Jerusalem and other places where believers are ministering to them, uh, meeting their needs, taking them goods and resources. We get to the end of Acts chapter 12 and we see Barnabas and Paul showing back up at Jerusalem at the end of this missionary journey. They show up with another new person first mentioned in Scripture, and that would be John Mark. You would know him as the author of the Gospel of Mark. So Paul is right in the middle of all that is happening at this point. And as we read about Paul here, you're going to know he's not a primary player in Scripture. In fact, many scholars show that when Paul is listed, and at this point named as Saul, it would say Barnabas and Saul. That shows that he is the lesser of the important people in the scripture at that time. So he's just a person who's helping. He's a part of this church that's exploding. And then um, we get to our primary passage, which is in Acts 13. Before we read that together, there's three things I want to point out about this story about from Saul's conversion until He's picked up again by Barnabas and helps out with Antioch. The first one is this. Paul did not start as an influential apostle that he eventually became. You know, in some ways, he did start off as that sixth grader who got saved at camp and was on fire for Jesus and ready to fight hell with a water pistol. He was ready to go. In fact, one time I had a student in my ministry and she was younger. She was on fire for the Lord. And we were praying about, you know, sharing Jesus with our friends at school. And uh, she came and she said, Matt, 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 I had an opportunity today in school and with this student in my class. And he says he's an atheist. And I had a chance to talk to him about Jesus. I was like, oh, that's great. Tell me more. She said, oh, it's so good. I made him cry. I'm not sure that's the exact route we want to go. But, you know, she was on fire for the Lord. She was motivated. Paul is motivated. But I'm guessing he had some growing to do. And so he's gone at this time. He's in Tarsus. And God is showing him what he is getting ready to do. God is preparing him for what he is going to do. Much like our students in our student ministry, preparing them for what God has for them. The second one is this, is that Barnabas played a pivotal role in mentoring Paul. Barnabas played such an important role. He shows up at the very beginning of the story. He takes him and helps him get established in the church. He shows back up 10 years later needing his help. In a lot of ways, Barnabas is like a lot of us here, taking a risk on a student, walking with them, doing life with them, helping our seniors know who the Lord is, helping them grow in their relationship with Jesus. And the third one is this. The church in Antioch served as a hub for training believers in ministering to the community. So you have Paul who shows up as a new believer. You have Barnabas here who's discipling him and walking with him. And then they're serving together at this amazing church that's thriving and growing. We see people coming to faith in Christ. We see the church ministering to those in need. But we also see leaders being developed within the church. Antioch provided a place for Paul to basically be an intern. 
He shows up, follows Barnabas around, teaching, seeing him minister to people. They traveled on trips together. This small model is what we have going on here in our church at First Woodway. We want to see the Lord's hand on us. We want to see large numbers of people come to faith in Christ and know him. We want to see them grow in their relationship with Jesus. We want to develop leaders who will be the next generation of leaders in our church, not just here in Waco, but in Texas, across the nation, across the globe. So let's pick up on the story now. In Acts chapter 13, I'm going to begin in verse 1. Let's read this together. And Cade read read it just a second ago for us. He says this, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul, For the work which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. I love this passage. Because really, this is Paul's senior Sunday. Right? He's he's spent his time developing, going through youth group at, at his home church in Tarsus. Now he's at Antioch. And he's there. He's helping. And... The Holy Spirit says, set apart these two for me. I'm going to use them. And it's at this moment, after this passage, we see Paul just blow it up. He is just exploding in sharing the gospel. The word of God just goes before him and he becomes this spiritual giant, becomes probably the second most important person in scripture other than Jesus. So this is his day where they lay hands on him and pray for him and send him out. Not much different than what we're doing today. Now, these names that come up in this passage are not just random names. I mean, you have Barnabas. One I just want to point out to you um, is Simeon, who is called Niger. A lot of scholars believe, and this is kind of a guess by them, people a lot smarter than me, but this is also the same man who's called Simon of Cyrene. We see him in the Gospels. He is the man who's in the crowd as Jesus is walking, uh, taking his cross to be crucified, and he can't carry it. So they grab a man named Simon of Cyrene. They pull him out of the crowd, and they make him carry the cross of our Savior to his final destination. If, in fact, this is the same guy, this man who's probably known throughout the entire church And probably the entire church from uh, Jerusalem and elsewhere is laying hands on Paul to send him out to further the gospel. Can you imagine the story he could tell? And much like that man is at Antioch, there are many people in this room that are simians of them of their own right, that God has brought you through something that you have a story to share, knowledge to impart on our students, and especially on our seniors, of what God has done in your life. You know, First Woodway is a place where we have those Simeons. We also have Barnabases. I just wanted to say that this morning, <laughs> Barnabases. Um, we have many of those in this room who want to 
spend time with students, helping them know and grow in who the Lord is. So let me ask this question again. I asked it at the beginning. What was the purpose for the church when we graduate seniors? What is the ultimate hope for what we do? What is our purpose? What is our hope? Well, it's the same as it was for Paul, and that is this. Paul became a disciple that went and made disciples. Our hope for our graduating seniors, and seniors, I want you to hear this. Our hope for you is that you will be a disciple who goes and makes disciples. Paul was discipled by Barnabas. Barnabas took him under his wing. Paul went on to write 13 of the 27 books of the Bible. He became so influential, and I have no doubt in my mind that these seniors sitting in front of me will go on to be some of the most influential followers of Jesus in the church. Can I get an amen for that? Absolutely. And these students, many of you have had an opportunity to to pour into them. You've held them in the nursery. You taught them as small preschoolers. You were a leader at vacation Bible school, or maybe you had them as a Sunday Sunday school teacher. You were their Sunday school teacher. Maybe you have been to Sunday's camp or on a mission trip with them. You've had an opportunity to pour into them and walk with them and do life with them. Help them become a disciple. So let me ask you this question. What is a disciple? Like, if we want them to be a disciple that goes and makes disciples, then basically, what is a disciple? Well, Jesus answers that question for us. In Matthew 4, 19, he says this, Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. And there are really three parts of this, what it means to become a disciple. The first one is this, a disciple follows Jesus. Jesus says, come, follow me. We want every student that comes through our youth ministry to know who Jesus is. We want them to know Jesus as the forgiver of their sins. We want them to know Jesus as the leader of their life. We want them to say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. I am devoting my entire life and everything that I have to Jesus. He doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. And Jesus says, come follow me. Discipleship begins with evangelism, sharing the love of Jesus. The second thing is this, is that a disciple is being changed by Jesus. Jesus says, I will make you. He says, I'll make you fish for people. I mean, he is transforming, changing us to be the person God wants us to be. Paul, he's radically changed from being a person who readily will kill and murder Christians to being one who's ready to put his life on the line for Christ. Jesus wants us to change and to be more like him. Paul himself says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. So the third thing is this. A disciple is committed to the mission of Jesus. A disciple is committed to the mission of Jesus. Jesus says that to follow him, he says, I will make you fish for people. The NIV says it this, this way. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
A disciple is committed to following Jesus. He's committed to being changed by the gospel. He's committed to, you know, being transformed through the word of Christ. And then he's committed to following Christ and spreading the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus wherever they land, wherever they go. And this is the type of disciple we want to send out from First Woodway. One who comes to faith in Christ, is changed by Christ, and goes out and lives for Christ. You know, that's not just a youth ministry job. That is not a pastoral staff job. Can I be so bold to say, that is our job as a church. From bed babies to senior Sunday, to help students be transformed by the saving grace of Jesus, that their lives are transformed to live for him in everything that they do, to go on to wherever they go, to be a difference maker in every circle God puts them in because of the impact you had on their life. It is all of our job to be behind them, to encourage them, And just as Paul said earlier from stage, to be their spiritual home. To our seniors, we're behind you all the time. There's a story of an early 20th century famous composer by the name of Ignis Padursky. Now, this man was an amazing piano player. His concerts in... New York were sold out six months in advance. So a young mother took her nine-year-old son, who was an aspiring piano player, to go hear this incredible concert with this incredible gentleman. But he was a wiggly nine-year-old, and he was, um, had a hard time listening, and she put him in a tuxedo, and she put him in his chair, and he wouldn't sit still, and she kept telling him to sit down. And when she looked away for a moment, he got out of his chair and got to the aisle, and bolted down to the stage. Before she could grab him, he went up on the stage, sat down at the piano, this huge Steinway piano, and began playing chopsticks in front of the entire crowd. Well, people began to to boo. People began to be yelling, get that kid off stage. And uh, the ushers and the people in charge began to try to get up on stage and get this man. But Podersky is in his dressing room and he hears the commotion he looks out and he sees a little boy on stage still playing chopsticks he throws on his tuxedo jacket and he goes walking out on stage when he hits the stage the entire place falls silent the little boy still playing chopsticks Podersky walks up behind him and he says you're doing good don't stop keep going so the little boy keeps playing Podersky sits down beside him And he begins to play this beautiful number to the tune of Chopsticks. Leans over to the little boy, keeps telling him, you're doing great, don't stop, keep going. Continues to play, you're doing great, don't stop, keep going. To our seniors, as you leave here and go to all the places God has for you, First Woodway wants you to know this, don't stop, keep going. You're doing great. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for this amazing opportunity 
to love on students and see them grow and be used by you, to be a disciple, Lord, who go and make disciples. Father, I pray, Lord, may we not step away from this amazing responsibility. And God, I pray, Lord, as they make the next steps this summer to wherever they may go, may they know that this church is behind them all the way for them to keep going and to not stop in the plan that you have for them. So Jesus, I pray, will you just bless them with ever heavenly blessing that you can. Father, for us as a church, God, I pray from the door greeter to the bed babies, to the senior class, to the college class, and everyone in between, God, will you put the responsibility on us to mentor and be a Simeon, to be a Barnabas, to walk through life with these students, God, that they may go out and be used to be the next generation of Pauls in our country, in our state, and in our community. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. In your name that we pray, amen.